0: Michael Frazes. Um everyone, welcome to Double or Nothing, the final episode for, I think it'll be the final episode for 2022, maybe we'll we'll fit uh, another one in. I firstly have to apologize um, for being slack in, in getting to this, I've had uh, a rough few weeks in terms of work and personal life, a bunch of things, um, converging and, and sucking out all, all my time. Um but, um, you know, I, uh, we've been getting good feedback from, from listeners and uh, we are trying to make it uh, more consistent on a, on, on a weekly basis. So that's totally my fault. But anyway, uh, Michael Frazis, what are we talking about today?
1: Hey, Misha, it's good to have you back. Uh, look, it's been pretty uh, another kind of swings and roundabouts moment in markets there was like an inflation print last week which came in way below everyone's expectations It was basically negative um so deflationary month on month which now means over the last 6 months basically price levels in the US have been flat um and the only reason they're flat and not negative is because of rents which we know and ne- which we know are negative you know if you use real time data um but the fed came out like i think it was a day or two later um and raised 50 basis points and then came out with uber hawkish rhetoric you know, 50 best points used to be, a, it's obviously less than 75, but still a lot. Then they came out and like they were just at pains to say the job was not done. And they keep referring to like the 7% number, like a year on year number. So you think about like the mathematics of it. So you're flat for seven years, but they were like, sorry, for six months. And then there was like six, before that, there were six months of price increases in the price level. And so it's actually not possible for inflation short of like minus 7% annualized numbers to come down until those high inflation numbers from early this year roll off. And it's January, February, March, April, May, June. By June next year, all those high inflation numbers will be out of the series. And if the current rate of price increase um, continues, you know, in June in six months time, you'll have a negative number, you know, flat or negative number. Um, And so the inflation crisis will be over or like before it's even started, or kind of, you know, very relatively in a relatively short period of time. But it's kind of like this weird dichotomy between if you're using the annual numbers, it's always going to look really high at the moment, even though it's, even though the world, even though price levels are flat or deflating. um, And the reason the feds focusing so much on that number is a, it's like the political number that everyone looks at um, and B they're trying to justify these extreme tightening um, measures. So the fact that the last two inflation prints were so far below expectations, if they didn't course correct at all. If anything, they doubled down um, on the rhetoric and on the intensity of the hawkishness. Um, The markets broadly kind of shrugged it off. I mean, they they rallied into the print when it it was after the print and then sold off and then kind of rebounded. Um, But look at bond yields. Like the bond yields don't really believe what the Fed is saying. Um, And the implications are pretty significant for the early part of next year. So if if the price level is basically flat, if inflation is like somewhere between zero and one percent, maybe minus zero point five and one percent, um, which is what what which is what it has done in the last six months. Like that's that's US numbers. Um I'm not making this up. These are literally the numbers that you can sit find online um from US government websites. If that's the case and they're tightening and they're saying they're gonna get 5% um next year, then you're talking about like one of the most restrictive regimes ever. You know, talking about interest rates that are hundreds of basis points above um, above inflation, which is, you know, extreme. Uh, and you can actually see the impact of that. So the the, la- the last two rate rises, 75 bips and 50 bips, probably haven't barely, you know, affected anybody yet. Um, but already probably from the earlier rate rises, you're seeing like complete collapse in autos. So Tesla's now down 61, 62%. Uh, it was one of the last kind of holdouts of the, that kind of like growth space. Um, it's now sold off, but then so is Ford. And so is a bunch of other companies in the auto space. Um, Obviously real estate has been falling around the world for some time. So you're definitely seeing, you're definitely seeing the effects of this like really restrictive regime. Um, But I think that's going to be like a really, that's, it's, it's, I think it's going to be really interesting next year to watch that play out. Um, And obviously huge consequences for everybody in finance because, Firstly, if they're too tight now, that bodes pretty poorly for risk assets, even though risk assets seem to have found something of a flaw lately in um, his last words. Uh, but that does suggest that things get really much worse in the, in, in the short term, but it also shows you that within six months, you know presumably with such restrictive rates, inflation isn't just going to take off. You can't see it anywhere. you know everything's falling from energy to commodities to car prices to shipping the real estate, literally every price you can think of is is falling, perhaps with the exception of wages, um, notable exception. And so within six months time, which is a long time in markets, but a very short time, you know, in, in, in our lives, in our careers, um, the whole story could be different. Um, and so I obviously think-
0: from, from our perspective or you know, mainly from your perspective, you want, you're basically keen for interest rates to fall, asset prices to rise, that's kind of the the simplified story. Is that right? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's no doubt that interest rates, high interest rates, kind of did cause absolute carnage for for tech stocks. I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're necessarily gonna reflate. Um, I think I think there'll be new leaders, like new companies that are going up. And so, and it's it's amazing how closely this has followed the tech cra- crash twenty years ago. But you know, our best performers, a ton of our stuff is all, on the floor still. Um, Google, you know, dropped 10%, you know, in the last couple of weeks, um, all-time lows, things like Tesla all-time lows, or certainly recent lows in this sell-off. Um, things like Amazon down 55%. You know, tech stock's still on the floor. But then like the small cap value stuff that we bought. So things like Crocs, um, a company that makes like kind of um plastic surgery equipment, like these companies like trading on Ps of like five or six, you know, still growing at 30, 40%. Those things have doubled off the lows. Hmm. Um, and so, if semis, for example, semiconductors have also doubled off of those. So, you think about like, I think about, I've obviously had like quite a bit of a journey, <laughs> as is everybody um, in the fund. Um, but you know, when what we did well a few years ago was identify the leaders that were growing the fundamentals and the fundamentals of firing and then constructing a portfolio just of those, like, not having like literally just finding the, the leaders, the ones growing the fastest, keeping the like doing the best constructing a portfolio entirely of those now obviously the error we would made was basically the stock started selling off fundamentals continue to improve but that leadership had changed you know the market had changed the environment had changed um, and that's probably gonna be the case you know in the near future um, but there will be new leaders and you're already starting to see it so you're already starting to see the ones that have bounced back and funnily enough a lot of them are now certainly investment in our space like kind of small cap value and and healthcare a ton of things that are healthcare related Um, I think as people like look for things that aren't cyclical, they're looking at some of these companies and maybe they're selling surgical equipment. Maybe they're doing, you know, something to do with cosmetic surgery, you know, those kinds of things that are unlikely there's some element of cyclicality. And a lot of those stocks do drop 75% along with everything else, but you know, they're still growing, you know, as reports are coming through, they haven't really weakened and it's not like autos where, you know, in the last, the last kind of crash, you know, all those companies went bust like, I'm not talking about tiny companies or Teslas of the, of the time. I'm talking about like Ford and GM, you know, recapitalized, completely recapitalized and wiped out all equity in like 2009. Um, and in many ways, what you're seeing in the auto industry is as extreme as then. So you've got secondhand cars, which literally six months ago were like rising, contributing to inflation. Literally like two months ago, the Fed was talking about, you know, the contribution of autos. Like it's, it's mad. Um, they've collapsed. But then where does that leave people buying a new car? You know, there was a squeeze to get a new car. You couldn't even get them in Australia without like multi-month delay. But all of a sudden, if prices collapsed and the cars are discounting and, and the companies are, you know, they can't drop their costs at all. Their costs are just stuck there. And so if, when the market collapses, they're stuck with these fixed asset bases. Um, and that's probably why I'm seeing such a... And, 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 and in the early stages of this are uh, as extreme as 2008, 2009, when, you know, all the major players went bankrupt together. Um, so it remains to be seeing if that's something that happens down the line, um, but again, you know, like with these interest rate rises, they're just killing consumer finance, killing that marginal demand, and you know, it's a lot of things happening at once. Anyway, that's my take on the little inflation thing.
0: Yeah, well, probably well, less see relevant to you. Out. Yeah, it is a bit less relevant to be honest. Like I don't, we don't really pay attention to to the macro. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, we've spoken about it a few times on the pod. I feel like super uncomfortable talking, um, you know, macro. I, I, I feel like it's something that um no one really knows. And and you know, ask five macroeconomists and they'll give you five answers about about a thing. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean I, I guess you can take, you know, we we kind of implicitly do take directional views. Um you know, on, on on the macro, you know, so certain assets are more or less exposed to different directions over time. So, um, yeah, you you do take take directional views, but uh, yeah, we no, we're definitely much more kind of company opportunity specific. I think um, in private markets, it's inherently a lot less liquid and so it's inherently a lot more opportunistic you kind of have to assess each opportunity as it comes up on its own terms rather than kind of choosing from the entire universe of global listed stocks um and and having having that luxury which has kind of pluses and minuses um but um but you know interestingly like i think one interesting thing I've, i've noticed I think uh, when we started off this pod, I don't know when it was like six months ago or something. um, You know, one thing I had noted was that, uh, you know, I expected over like a 12, 18 month view to start seeing, um, you know, effectively private company restructures and and, the like where you'll have like these, all this pre-IPO, um, money had gone in and then, you know, you'd be, you'd be kind of converting or, um, you know, all or, or kind of accrued, you know, very expensive interest and the like and kind of, you know, dusting founders. And, and you know, I, I, the, we're not seeing like an avalanche of that yet, but I think, um, you know, we are, in, again, we're kind of just closer to that moment. Um, and, again, kind of definitely expecting, you know, like, like June 2023 seems to be a kind of common Um expiry date, um you know for for a lot of these um instruments where um they'll end up you know converting and the like and and it's a tough situation for everyone because the investors um you know even if they have the right to basically convert a hundred percent of the company like that doesn't really work uh, when you kind of need you're relying on the founder and so in at the end of the day you kind of have this game of chicken where the investors. Can effectively take the whole company, but then you know the last thing they want is to found throwing the keys. You know, when you, especially if you're kind of in the earlier stages, um and so you effectively have a you know a, a total restructure of the cap table. But it's like there's like a lot of money out there that's going to get dusted. You know, it's hard to kind of quantify in the aggregate, but you know, seeing a few opportunities where. You know there's there, there are at least tens of millions of bucks you know have been invested you know often you know a hundred or, or a few hundred and like you know total you know expected basically you know valuations have kind of collapsed you know um you know 70 80 percent or something um and, and it just hasn't been um like like you know the They've kind of gone back to markets, they've been in cash, and, and that's where the, the market feedback is and hasn't really been reflected yet in, in in the cap table. And so a lot of the carnage you've kind of seen in public markets is still kind of going to play out in, in private markets of, of, over the next six months.
1: So when you take us through, so some people are probably less familiar with this process. Um, so basically people did convertible and put money in convertible notes with the expectation that they'd convert into equity, but maybe a company raised say 10 20 million dollars of that. Um, and then my understanding is now companies are doing having to either raise money again, you know, we're coming up to that one and a half years from when markets just completely shut. Um, and then in many cases, the company will be worth less than that, say 20 million dollars. Yeah, so I'll give you, you many, I'll,
0: yeah, I'll give you an example round numbers. Um, company, you know, again, round numbers, you know, not kind of referring to any specific company, but company X you know, may have raised um, you know, a hundred million bucks um at a five hundred mil. Uh, valuation, maybe it was done by via convertible. It doesn't really matter like the, the, the specific instrument, whether it's equity at the time or or it's going to be convertible. At the end of the day, it all kind of on a fully diluted basis, it's kind of equ- equity at the end of the day. So you can kind of call it wh- whatever you want. Um, but, you know, you, you've, you've raised a hundred million bucks at 500. Suddenly, you know, you're burning cash. So you need to go out to the market and raise more money. And so suddenly, you know, the world's changed. You know, investor appetite has changed. People are nowhere near as bullish on your prospects. Maybe you've, you missed your kind of forecast. And suddenly the market's telling you, yeah, look, maybe we'll value it at 75 mil or or or, or 100 mil. And so, you know, yeah, we'll give you 20 million bucks extra or whatever it is at, at 75 mil. And so suddenly those guys who invested you know, 100 mil at 500 mil valuation, you know, they're going to convert at like 10 to 20 cents a dollar or something ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if, if they convert it again, like if it's just equity, suddenly they have to mark down their value from, you know, 500 to 75 pre or, or, or whatever that is. Yeah. And so, um yeah, you know, that's like a that's like a nightmare, and then, and and you know, like there there are a few of those uh, examples around. Again, I think this is very consistent with the theme that you know, last twelve months, if you're, uh, you know, if you if you're growing and if you're profitable, you know, you, you can kind of bang down the hatches and 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 find a way out. Um, if you know you're not growing as quickly as you need, and certainly if you're kind of like not profitable or you're kind of going the other way it's very hard to kind of continue to operate with capital markets that are not supportive. And
1: I think it's just been so hard as well because everybody's trying to cut budgets and save costs. And so everybody's missing the, it's just a different world when money was just flying around. Not just yeah. in the community, but like, you know, businesses. Um, we've certainly seen a lot of that. So amidst all of this, you're trying to do it and you've kind of missed your numbers. Companies are like missing numbers dramatically. And in many cases, you know, it probably is just one or two years, you know, everyone's just delaying the spend. Um, and then as one you know the whole market will just come back and people start spending again
0: but but you know like you know timing is everything with these things like um you know uh you, you might have a great five-year prospect but if you kind of go bust over the next 18 months because you're burning too much cash you know that's that's the end like there's no kind of you know the, the, you know if capital markets are not there to help you that's the challenge with being, capital hungry loss making business you're kind of um you know you're, you're kind of at the whims of capital markets
1: yeah and i think like even even if capital markets do come back you know there's times when people are like actively looking for risk actively looking for like new high returning opportunities um and there's times when people are not and it, it feels like i can like feel like like first we have to normalize and then you have to get to a point where people are doing so well that they're actively looking for you know risk seeking opportunities that seems like very far away um yeah no it's going to be it's going to be tough but you're i do think around the time it'll be next year because it'll be very few people planned on two years without access to capital markets
0: yeah so, so every, everyone would have you know raised And a tough operating
1: before. environment as well
0: yeah exactly it's everyone would have raised years. before like you know, we're, we're at about the 12-month point of, like, the tough markets. And so, you know, if you had something due this year, investors are super understanding and they'll give you a 12-month extension or whatever. You know, maybe there's some follow-on capital, but, but usually, you know, you've probably cut costs, you've probably been measured, you've probably undertaken initiatives, you've probably extended things, and Investors investors um, and debt providers have probably been quite understanding. Um, you know, fast forward six months later, it's been 18 months, things are hard. Um, You know, if you haven't sorted yourself out by then, investors, you know, will be a lot more concerned and probably less amenable to, um, you know, making changes and kind of assessing things more kind of existentially.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess you've got the other issues. If you have to raise new money, you know, that's going to be done on different terms. So you could get to that point about founders getting wiped out or like existing investors getting wiped out. You have these like convertibles, Let's say it's however many millions, a hundred million said maybe you need to raise another fifty. So you stack another convertible on top of that.
0: It's too then- late for that. Like 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 like, like, I, like that was probably like six, twelve months ago. So 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 cap tables are a dog's breakfast today, like in terms of like stacked instruments and preferred instruments and convertibles yeah. and everything. Like the, the the point is at some point the music stops. Um, and so I mean like you know like you can kind of at this point you can call your instrument whatever you want but it's effectively equity because um you know like or, or it's effectively restructured because you have to kind of go back and work with the other um, instrument holders and then kind of restructure their terms to 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 be subordinated to you or something but like if you're in that territory you're already in like restructure land and it's already like a bad time so um we're probably past the time of kind of stacking stuff things are stacked and um and like you know yeah at some point you know it's it's got to kind of flush out
1: Mm. yeah and i guess um yeah i'm not sure i guess i guess we just have to see it play out certainly yeah uh, Anyway, yeah, it's just, 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 just
0: watch. All well, right. Kind of maybe, cool. maybe nice opportunities come out, you know, from an investment perspective. It's um, but... hard. I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff
1: that's been pretty distressed Um, that are kind of like need to raise money or, it's, or they just need to raise money in the next six months or they kind of hit a wall. So this is like their moment to find someone. It's pretty hard though because to the extent that you want to invest more, that is like not the kind of thing you want to invest in. <laughs> to extent yeah, the extent it's out, It's just... You know six months like who knows you have to assume that there's no exit like you have to assume these companies just that there will be no market no exit liquidity no ipo market um and so then it's it's just completely changed so i guess it makes it really tough for founders that are trying to raise Um, with the caveat that obviously the good companies will still get funding money i've noticed even those ones that we've seen and we invested in one of them um it was like seriously um it was seriously good terms for investors like mm. a convertible note with all kinds of preference preference rights and you know a very long time a very low cap relative to prior rounds um, it was that kind of thing so I'm not sure I think um, it's real it's pretty tough actually that's why kind of obviously I'm kind of talking my book but when you see these negative inflation prints um, and the whole kind of reason the whole thing that kicked all this off was the Fed tightening um, and they're still sucking a ton of liquidity out of the market every day. Um, in addition to raising rates, you know historically high rates, start to think you know there's a lot of damage being done. Um, obviously, like you know startup businesses are kind of the lifeblood in the rejuvenation of any economy. Um, the fact that those markets have been shut for a year, and you know if I'm if'm I'm, I'm probably the most optimistic on this, but if I'm right, inflation kind of is is politically visible. They can declare victory in say six months' time and then perhaps take their foot off the kind of break um that's a long time there's gonna be a lot of damage done like some serious serious damage and not just to like startups and our communities but you know to healthcare financing to people buying homes that you know have just had all this their savings sucked up into high interest rates things like that can I
0: tell you what, what I've been thinking about and this is the opposite of talking my book I um you know when I track my rate of investment and like my rate of like personal deployment not kind of at the fun that i work just personal deployment and startup opportunities or other things you know which, which i've been doing for, for a while it actually tracks pretty not well in terms of quantum to the, the bull market so like i deployed the most i've ever deployed in that last quarter before things kind of blew up now um you know i i think those those are still good opportunities and you know and the will the, the, the ultimately um, come good, even if they've probably got a kind of, you know, a mark to market value that's somewhat lower, uh, but ultimately over a, a five, 10 year view, you know, I, I think, I think they will generally be good businesses, but, you know, just reflecting personally, like this is kind of, you know, me a confessions, you know, I'd say, you know, 12 months ago, my attitude, um, was a lot more arrogant, I think, than, um, than it should have been, and you know there was probably a sense that you know whatever you kind of put money into, you know, it, how, how easy is this putting money away and and ultimately making money? Um, well, and,
1: easy wasn't it? Sorry. You, know, you put money in a pre-IPO and a massive just discount. Thing yeah, everything's double.
0: going up. Just just everything up. goes up. You know what I mean? And, and that's obviously like this is all kind of obvious. And it's kind of obvious at the time as well. You know, we probably said the same thing, but but even just the emotional cadence is different. You know, like um, you know, we kind of, you know, our our decade, you know, of, of kind of investing has been through this like one of the world's biggest kind of bull market, so it's kind of obvious. Um, but you know, now I'm reflecting and I'm like far out you know like i think they'll come well but maybe not and i actually won't know for like five ten years and and it's just way less obvious like it's totally plausible that um you know they're just not so good and you know one thing that's kind of rocked me a little bit you know increase like obviously professionally at the fun and work you know we do um a lot of kind of real due diligence and kind of, and occasionally we'll kind of be looking at slightly more early stage things that we think are kind of exciting, and kind of within the mandate. And when you kind of peer under the covers, I don't know if we spoke about this last time on the pod, I don't, I don't remember, but like often like, you know, the real numbers, um, you know, don't resemble what's in the deck at all. <laughs> and like, and again, it's not I had like,
1: one of those instances. It was... It's probably not
0: fraud. It's prop. Maybe it's fraud, but, but often it's just, like, incompetence. Or well, like ARR, or, or, ARR or... is, yeah, ARR oh. and it's compared
1: to actual the revenue that's delivered. Oh, mate, ARR business.
0: has a different definition for every company. Every listed company and every private company has a different definition. But things like net retention or whatever it is, like, you have to go into the actual math and look at cohorts and see what they're doing to figure it out. And almost, like, like we've been disappointed in, like, 100% of scenarios, basically and then I reflected my private investing and I'm like oh yes yeah, cool deck like the founders here's, here's a bunch of money no worries and I'm just too scared to go back over the materials and actually properly dd it because I'm certain like it's going to be you know a lot uglier than I thought so that's like my big mea culpa like nothing's kind of blowing up but scary and and obviously at a meta level you know i've never invested more than i kind of afford to lose and if all kind of goes away you know that's life and and mm. we kind of keep going and, I, and like i'm not leveraged or anything like that so you know but um but you know like it'll still hurt and i still want to make you know good returns on those investments but like yeah. it's just way less obvious and emotionally, i'm kind of feeling that like hang on like We'll will see what it all kind of looks like in in five years.
1: Yeah, and things can change fast in both directions as well. I think how fast this came on, you know, things could bottom in the next three to six months easily. Um, it could have even been like could have could have even passed the low. and hope so, but feels when i'm when i'm pessimistic you know we must be getting close
0: <laughs> yeah sure no you're, okay. the, you're, the, you're the optimistic one so i want to oh, talk go. about um
1: can i go through some can i go through crowdstrike's numbers with you because i just want to go like it's a good example of what's happened this year okay and, like, what, let's do that so let down. Uh, and i'm going to ask you to say double or
0: nothing so you have to decide with okay like, so what do crowdstrike a bit of a security firm aren't they i don't the even security know
1: security firm yeah there's many yeah. like microsoft does it crowdstrike's probably the best you install a little kind of um what do they call it daemon um, on your computer. And then in, once yeah. it's on your computer and everybody's on all the endpoints, then CrowdStrike yeah. can add whatever modules you want. Um, and there is some kind of network effect because they've got these things on all these computers all around the world. So they see all kinds yeah. of threats and they yeah, can got adapt fast to new ones. And um, they can kind of see, they see a lot of traffic. Yeah. Um, I, was going, I was going pretty fast. So it was kind of like, a, it was hundred percent plus. Um, but this is, you know, I've been griping about stock-based comp, and the reason for that is it's increased and doubled. So it's one sure. of those companies that took the took the decision to basically double the stock-based comp. So in the last twelve months and the latest results, they increased revenue from three fifty-seven to five four-seven, mm-hmm. um, which is about fifty-three percent. So um, and gross profit, like say even higher, and very high gross margins. So you're talking about like kind of ninety percent.
0: Um, okay. Sounds pretty yeah, good to me so, so far. far. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Last year in the quarter, um, actually, it's a different number for gross margins, but I'll correct it after. Um, but it's last, high.
0: Like it's above 80%. It's very high. So.
1: Yeah. This is software. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Uh, software. Great. They have general ARR, right? And you're unlikely to leave. Um, oh yeah. just quickly on the competitive. So they've got Sentinel One, which is like a cheap half price version of them. Um, mm-hmm. Then you've got Microsoft, which a lot of people do. And then you've got other firms like Palo Alto Networks. So there are There is a competitive... Um, tension there between basically a cheaper option and then going with like a bigger person like Microsoft that you already work with. Um which most people would agree is not quite as good, but you know, for most people it's good enough.
0: And they um, can cross sell into it, et cetera. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. One less provider. But bundle, I think bundle products. IT people yeah. do too people seem to love CrowdStrike. Like it does seem to be better. And I think it's just I think it's also kind of cool. Like it just looks cool and um sure. a lot of cool stuff with it. So yeah, anyway, so last year they lost 50 million of net income on 357 mil of rev this year, they lost 55 mil on 550 say. So they've increased revenue substantially. Um, and the net loss is the same, but this is the bit that this is the bit that really kind of caused chaos and difficulties for people like me, that back these companies, um, the stock-based comp went from 200 mil to 375. Mm. So to put that in perspective, they lost 50 million last year, 50 million this year, but they increased stock-based comp by 175. Mm. Now, I like the whole thesis of what we do is like we'll back companies that invest to grow. Like take the long-term view, invest, build the factory, you know, hire the sales team, um, you know, just be be ten times the size in five years' time. And there's a ton of companies that that successfully do that. Um, invest, but how is paying an extra 175 million of stock-based comp to staff to make up for the fact that the share price is down, the expense of shareholders? A, how is that like, how is that investing for growth? It's not, it's just like a cash payout to insiders or a stock-based payout to insiders. And B, they lost 50 million last year, 50 million this year, and stock-based comp increased by 175, which is entirely in their control. You know, maybe there's like, there's arguments that some of it's not in their control, but basically it's in their control. Um, It's not like your revenue or your customers. So all I had to do was to go from minus 50 to break even, all they had to do was increase stock-based comp by 125 instead of 175, or even God forbid, you know, keep it flat and they would have posted 125 mil of net income after all stock-based comp and everything which the market would have fucking loved you know that would have really got everybody excited
0: so what's driving it because it, it's like what you just described is kind of obvious like you know you look yeah, at cash sure. but, uh, you've grown you know maybe you kind of grow a little bit slower but kind of pull back on costs like this isn't rocket science what's kind of driving the aggressive investment in in basically um employee costs
1: yeah, look there's two things i think um it's it's a very clear decision that basically every ceo has come and it's also obviously very um relevant to themselves because a lot of this goes it's obviously extremely skewed towards senior management you hmm. know, like occasionally you see the numbers like that person that was censoring people on twitter was earning 15 million yeah and that would all be in stock-based com coming out of shareholders. So five years there, she's you know, we you can, you can walk away. These tech companies go away with a hundred million bucks of stock. If, and i you don't even need to be the CEO, you know, you just be
0: that's wild. And there's
1: there's hundreds of the companies that are doing this that are listed that you can actually see their financials. And then ultimately, like it, it was, it was a decision. So like I started in like kind of a private equity firm, and it was it was it was I learned very early on that while often what of the small cap or micro cap deep value doesn't work, it's because there's some guy who owns 30, 40 percent with a plan. Um and you're not gonna like whatever whatever the money is, whatever the cash flow is. He's probably got a plan to kind of buy it and own it at some point. Um, it's gonna be very difficult. It's not gonna. It's genuinely really not gonna, like, like this. This is an agency problem. You know, his he's besties with the the CEO is his own guy. You know, he's gonna do what he wants to do, and he's ultimately probably using the the listed market as a way to like raise capital, buy stuff, and then at the right time he'll take it all back himself. Um, but now you've got, funnily enough, with these like tech companies, you've got this, this similar agency thing where it's like, well, hmm. share price is down. 40%, let's say a share price, like CrowdStrike, share price is down 40%, everybody's unhappy. Okay, well, let's just issue ourselves more stock-based comp. All we have to do is report the number. You know, we don't necessarily have to vote on it. We can just like issue it and, and you know, it's gravy. And then this is- do, okay. do you reckon
0: that's what it is? Like, like, as in, I'm like, it's a very seductive view that managers are kind of paying themselves into an agency problem. I kind of get that. But like, A, 40% down for a software company in the last- Twelve months is actually like not that bad. Oh, they're by the posted- way, I,
1: that was the first part. So then they mm. did the stock based but Now obviously they've they've like halved in the last few months. So it's not down yeah. forward, it's out substantially more. We're,
0: but
1: mm. I, I know what you're saying. I'm probably like I'm probably
0: I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm open to it. Like in, from, uh, maybe,
1: business, yeah. mm. Um. So I'm a bit yeah. So it's not <laughs> it's not just that they're not just like paying themselves. I'm not I'm not suggesting fraud. I'm not suggesting anything.
0: No, no, I get it. No, there are agency issues. But, but but it's, it's also a competitive field but it's
1: also staff. So like when, they, when they're thinking, okay, I'm a long-term person, they're not thinking, okay, I better not dilute down there and watch my share price melt 85, 90%, like Twilio, which also made, went down this, this strategic direction. Um, they're also thinking staff. So I was catching up with somebody who works at one of these software companies uh, the other night and she was like, yeah, look, um, yeah, they all just paid us more stock. Like they just got more stock grants. Stock was down, mm. they're pretty bummed out. So everybody got more stock grants, but that came out of of someone else and there's no there's no marginal buyers there's net liquidity leaving the market the people that back these companies are people like me and we're not exactly like rushing to throw more money out and our investors certainly aren't either um and if you, have, if you think about where like the big money allocators are going to put money there's plenty of money will be allocated over the next few years there's big man it's being run by funds but you're going to put it in like somebody who bought growth stocks and rode them all the way up and all the way down, which uh, we were <laughs> kind of what we did, or are you going to put them in somebody that was like, you hey, look, we buy cement on 8% free cash flow yields that pay 6% dividend. You know, I think all the money's going to go that, in that direction. Um, to the extent, to the extent these things kind of, you can even talk about money flowing one direction or another. Um, so it's just, I think it's good. It's and there's heaps of companies like this and the numbers are very similar, you know, like good growth, 60% top line in very tough market, Yeah, good. They are showing operating leverage. So they lost 50 million last year, lost 50 million this year, despite being much bigger, but they jacked up stock based comp by 175. And so I think total stock based comp was 375. Let me just pull up the notes. Um, Stock based comp 374. Yeah. And so funny enough, they actually, the cash flow is pretty high because they don't have to pay that in cash. Um, So cash from operating activities is like 667 mil. So there's no no risk with this thing. Yeah, it's yeah but, but, but
0: that's an illusion, right? Like, I mean, I agree completely. Yeah. Whether you take it in, in like, pro- you know, cash losses or dilution, like, yeah. you're kind of agnostic. Yeah.
1: It is relevant because people see these companies down 70, 80%. They're like, well, which ones are going to survive? It's like, yeah. you know what? I reckon pretty much all of them are going to survive. Like, there will be exceptions. The ones like Cavana that did acquisitions at the top and took on too much debt, but that's the exception. Like, that's not really the situation these companies are in. If anything, they have like these mountains of cash and they're just diluting. So Twilio and our, I do want to get your double or nothing call. But Twilio was roughly, using rough numbers, say 8 billion market cap with 8 bill of cash um, and doing roughly 4 bill of revenue. So within a year, they'll probably be doing 4 bill of revenue. If they continue growing. So 8 bill market cap, 4 bill cash, 4 bill EV. So you're talking about one-time sales. And a lot of things, Spotify also in one-time sales. Um, anyway, there's a lot of companies in this situation. Hmm. Because you've almost got a cash box, but they're also diluting like crazy and their stock-based comp is also blown out, which again is a strategic decision by them to favour employees and potentially themselves or their senior M- management
0: team. My macro view on these companies, and look, as I said, you yeah, know, I, I, I've heard of CrowdStrike's um, stats from the first time from you. That's not really the, the kind of things I look at. My macro view is that um, you know we're in a moment of significant multiple compression. Um, you know, whilst there might be funny business around kind of excess. Comp, whether cash or stock, um, that'll wash out one way or another. Um, you know, either generate generate the requisite growth or cost cutting will come, and moderation will come. Um, crowd strike uh, you know, again i don't really know the cybersecurity kind of industry deeply so i don't have like a deep view to the extent that it's like we've got real special source versus um you know uh you know risk of kind of commoditization or um you know competition from from the big dogs but um but it's, it looks like they're you know like one of the leaders, they're massive. Um, they're still growing top margins. So like I'd be net net bullish all these companies from today's prices, um, given the aggressive multiple compression. And I think the kind of funny business in the cost spaces will will wash out one way or another. They'll grow out or they'll cut out of it. So if you had to ask me double or nothing, you know, with the kind of finger in the air, not knowing these companies and you know without having looked into it a caving in the hell out of it, I'd say double rather than nothing.
1: Hmm. Well, I guess there will be, I think what will happen is at some point, one by one, the CEOs will often found the CEOs will just be sick of their share prices being down and just start taking the steps like took oil and gas many years.
0: Was well, like- oil and gas is a horrible example. I mean, oil and gas is just like structural, you know, like there are these structural forces that are pain in the ass, the cyclical forces that are pain in the ass. You know, like, it's just, you have to love pain to be an oil and gas. The similarities
1: similarities is if you rewind, uh, I guess, seven years, what was it? It's kind of 2011 to 2016. um, It was the hot sector where everything was going ballistic and then everybody was raising money and then no money kind of came out. Like all the money went in to develop shale and then no money came out because ultimately there was too much supply and the price collapsed. Um, And then you fast forward to today. And then the oil and gas industry is like, we, we're not going to invest. We're doing buybacks and dividends. It's one or the other. You know, We're free cash flow. Um, it, but it took time, right? It took time for the management teams to kind of switch from growing, buying out, investing, to kind of harvesting. And like, no doubt, that will happen in the tech space. And then these companies, they're all still growing. So they'll end up with like, what's CrowdStrike doing? Like, they'll quarterly numbers. So you're talking about billions of dollars of revenue. Um, they, could, they could be at like four or $5 billion of revenue within two or three years um on say a 25 bill market cap
0: um it, it, it is interesting like the, the the thing that's you know the, the challenge with the next, like so a few comments so one 80 85 percent gross margins just cover a lot of sins um you know especially when, when you've got well they've all got the growth behind them as well then um you know the challenge with the next decade ahead of us that's different from the decade before, is that TAM's starting to run out, um, or at least you're you're far enough up the S-curve in a lot of um, you know, these software spaces that growth is just going to meaningfully slow down as you kind of asymptote towards the maximum penetration point within these markets um and so you know the last decade you could basically you could grow at any cost because growth was so high you just need to take share the next decade like there are some markets that just have like multi-decade structural tailwinds and and that's kind of happy and larry and if you kind of see what's kind of total on-prem versus cloud cloud is still like 5% or something. So like, you know, if you're in AWS or you're in um, you know, Azure or whatever, like happy days forever basically, like like TAM growth is like infinite. Um, but that's not the case in most software businesses we look at. Most software businesses in, in Australia and elsewhere that we see um, you know, are meaningfully up the curve in terms of um, TAM. Um and so, uh, you know, those those growth tailwinds are, just not going to be there and and like hey it's technology there'll be new tailwinds and there'll be new s curves um and the like but in terms of kind of software land i think the next decade you know strong tailwinds happy days but like it's just not going to be the bonanza that the last decade was
1: yeah well i guess it's also the other thing the other thing i've learned is like I, i think you're totally right like so many of these companies like you kind of want to invest in things like Adobe, but then you realize they're pretty mature. You know they've been around a long time. Um, that thirty percent they were doing could be like ten percent going forward. And if it's ten percent, then is is that really the best? Like there's a lot of companies going at ten percent. A lot of very profitable companies um, that are already kind of like reached that level um, of profitability where you don't need to kind of look at. You don't need to look through any kind of um, cost structure. But the other thing that's come clear is like there was, um, and to be honest now having seen it, it has surprised me how the extent of it, but how much of a VC funding boom there was and how much all those VC funded companies, like, let's say you got a hundred million dollar check from one of the thousands of VC funds in the U S or hundreds that could write, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm sure there's hundreds that could write, you know, tens of millions of dollars in a check. Um, what's the first thing you do, you know, you spin up your AWS, you get like Monday or Asana, you, you build Twilio into your app, you get, you get elastic search. Um, everybody gets a Google account you know, all that money just goes straight back into the ecosystem. um And that was the revenue. And now you've got a different thing where one by one, all these things are contracting. um Lots of companies going under seats, are con- they're firing. Even if they're surviving, they might be firing a sinking number of people. So then that you lose for every seat license, for every single bit of software, you know, when they sack 3,000 people, like 3,000 licenses go, you know. So you're seeing this contraction. And there will be, there will come a time when that stabilizes, grows, people start putting money out. There's kind of more more seats are created in the ecosystem and then maybe a few years after that um, you get to the point where money really starts flowing and then obviously that's good and bad you know you're probably late cycle but you're probably that's probably where also where a lot of the best businesses get funded because it's so much easier um, when times like that Um, yeah it's surprised it has surprised me to see that VC cycle and how much of the growth that everybody was reporting within the VC ecosystem was like to other VC funded businesses does that make sense
0: Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, like, look, the amount of money Asana or Monday or um, Azure or whatever AWS get from VC, like VC capital is a pretty small part of the overall economy, like a very small part. And so, you know, most of those companies of scale really don't. Don't yeah, rely cool. on, on, on that. Smaller, smaller companies, mine, and there are companies that specialize in servicing startups and that's their lifeblood, but the, the ones of scale, like n- not, not 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 really. Um, but no, I I mean I I I take your point. Well the one thing, speaking of VCs, like um what we are gonna see, like certainly in the Australian context where I'm closer to, you know, the top funds and the top investors have been. There for a while you know they're, they're performers they're you know even if they kind of made some mistakes and they kind of you know take a beating here or there o- overall like they invest they've invested in good companies and good founders there have been so many rubbish investors and vcs and like self-evidently rubbish and you know like the second third tier ones that have kind of sprouted it's not it's not obvious to me that australia has less dollars her opportunity chasing it like you know like maybe on the face that you think australia is undercompeted competed because the u.s is such a sophisticated vc market but like there's so many dollars chasing relatively you know fewer heads um in, in, in australia and so much of it's just like drinking its own bullshit and, and so it'll be really interesting to see a lot of those guys get um get washed out like look i've seen some of these portfolios i think mean, flying around and even on a mark to market basis this is what investors are disclosing to their investors. Like this is what VCs are disclosing to their, to their own LPs is probably much worse in reality and it is ugly. And so over the next five years, you're just going to see a washout of all the, the kind of second, third, fourth tier um, VCs.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it's like, you just need those outcomes, right? It's like the difference that Canva made if, if Canva was or was not founded here. You know, maybe some Israeli startup did something similar first or something, you know, relative to the outcome of, you know, that's going to make a huge fortune to for so many people. And so many like new VCs kind of, or new investors, you know, that was their big check. But-
0: Speaking of Canva, I mean, you know, and we've spoken a few times, we, we're kind of living in this AI renaissance and who knows what that kind of looks like. And I'm not super close to it, but it certainly seems like they have been genuine breakthroughs and kind of every week there's a new breakthrough that's coming through. Uh, I I worry about Canva. I mean, I'm not an investor, so I'm not like literally worried, but like um, if I were thinking about Canva and you've kind of got these, you know, auto um, image generators, like what's stopping someone instead of mucking around in a Canva and uploading photos and, and they made it super easy and it's a beautiful product. But, but like, isn't the next step me just typing, you know, give me a line with a, you know, with a happy birthday for a five-year-old or whatever, or, like, create, mat, you know, content for a, you know, weight loss pill or whatever Canvas kind of used for kind of marketing or other content, surely, like, the, wor- the word interface is going to be, is going to absolutely destroy Canva totally. Like, w- what am I missing? Like, isn't that, like, an yeah, absolute the- existential threat?
1: I think of that in the context of Adobe, because we've um, been and arming and arrying about whether to buy that for a while. You know, it dropped it's one of the high quality companies that dropped, you know, a huge amount. Um, certainly a kind of like 10-year valuation lows. And you think it's it's a similar issue for them, right? Um I it's it's hard to tell. Like, will it destroy them? Will they what how will the workflow work? It's like a company needs something done, they'll probably still go to an agency, the agency will then well, the artists at the agency were probably already starting to use increasingly AI to develop st- things. Um, yeah, it's not it's not clear that that needs to go through. Obviously, Adobe and Canva can just incorporate these AI tools, right? Um, they can use the open source ones, yeah. just like type, type it in within. But is, is it, it's not necessarily obvious that you'd need to do that within Adobe or Canva. I think mean, that's why in the US there's been this explosion of AI startups because a lot of these things are open source. So you can just like put together a web page, um, change some parameters on the back end and then immediately you have an app and you can, you can fine tune it, add little different keywords or whatever. You can, so that, let's say it's a business app. You can get it so that people put in business prompts and it comes up with something that's very appropriate for business. Like these are, these are not that anything's easy to develop, but these are relatively straightforward things to develop using open source software now. Um, you would think that's a pretty existential threat. And apparently Google's taking it quite seriously as well. Cause I found I've already found there's some things that it's vastly better on AI than Google. Yeah.
0: Saw. Using it's chat GPT or whatever it's called to. Yeah, uh, I want
1: to code to backtest it. something, which usually is a pain in the neck. Like I never, I don't really have much of a background in that. Oh, but I do now, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> which you can talk about. Cause I just did like it anyway. Um, but yeah, going to stack overflow and like there's these websites won't be so relevant anymore. Cause you just go, how do I, how do I backtest a chart with this stock and compare it to this and then calculate these numbers um, okay, how do I then chart this? How do I do a histogram that looks like this? Okay, can you add this stock? You're literally talking to this thing. And then each time it's kind of iterating and working for you. And then, boom, you get the code executed, it, done. It's like, wow. You know, it was a really kind of like blow your mind moment. Um, but that's a Google search. That's traffic to Stack Overflow. That's traffic to other sites. It's now going to go somewhere else. It really mm. is. And this is just one of the tiniest little
0: application. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay well we, we should we should wrap up this is a, if this is going to be our wrap up and maybe we'll do another another one next week so apologies to everyone if if we're saying goodbye and then do a second comeback tour or whatever but like um how should we wrap up this call like so 2023 it's ending um you know this has been a fun year on this pod for sure uh, and it's been a massive year kind of professionally and personally for me and and I, and I imagine for you um next year what does next year look like for you? Are you excited, Are you gonna get married, start making babies, raising a fun. <laughs> what what's happening?
1: Now I'll leave that squirrel in your department. But uh <laughs> but honest, dude, it's it's hard because obviously we're we're a tech fund in a tech sell two years in. In February will be the two year mark for like the growth stuff that we invest in. Um that would be quite a milestone, it's a long time. It's going old in this bear market. <laughs> um look, I think my prediction is by the end of next year, we're back in full swing. I don't know when I'm hoping that the inflation, if I had to, you know, when people do those little predictions, my prediction is we're well, under 2% by June, solely because they're tightening immensely. Inflation is already flat to negative. Um, and by June, all the high prints from last year roll out of the data series. Um, but then they're not going to exactly go do QE and again or take a severe recession. But even if that, even if that were the case, even if you're kind of like, uh, let's say you're I don't know December 2001 or December 2008 and you still got four months of you know horror I fully like even in those instances where it was as bad as it could probably get um, or close to by the end of the year things were in full recovery um, and I think even in 2002 you know Amazon was up 100% so it did that full 95% draw you know what like this is tangent I totally now I now get it I now get how hard it was for those managers and why there were basically no, so few people that made it through. Like imagine if you saw, and there were many people that did, you saw the internet, like they just knew like how big semis were going to be, how big the internet was going to be, how big e-commerce was going to be. And they could just see the computing power increase. And and like, they just knew, they knew it was going to go in that direction. And then the savage, that bear market took down stocks, 95%, um, over extent of two and a half years. So it's not like flash, down and up. Um, I now totally get how hard that was for those people um, because you can, and, and it's, it's hard to say, like, you're it's, I don't know, um, but it's, yeah, I can see how hard it was for people to ride those stocks through that. And then why afterwards they were so jumpy and could never really capture the long term, 20 year, hmm. several hundred fold move that. And the other thing is, yeah, it's not just Amazon. There were a bunch of companies, whether it's the ones we talked about, like Adobe. Nvidia, you know, AMD, Intel, all these companies were around then. Um, Salesforce, PayPal, eBay, or whatever combination they were. I can't remember that together then. You know, there were a ton of or listed, you know, there were a ton of companies that did go through that. Autodesk was one that was there. Um, it wasn't just they all did that. They all dropped, you know, 80, 90%, similar to what we're seeing now, actually, probably worse. Um, actually, you know, we're seeing a lot of big companies go down 85, 90%, like your Shopify's at L. Um, but then they did recover by 2002, 2003. And then our best performers over the next three to four years, it was choppy. A small cap growth did better, but you know, over a three, four year period, they ground up and then the GFC, they generally lost a lot less than everything else and recovered first. And then obviously the 10 years after that, they kind of took flight. Um, it's probably not, it's probably a decent base case for what happens to tech now. Anyway, so that was a right. Hopefully. What, is, what are your predictions, Misha? Um,
0: what are my predictions? I mean, this year's been a tough year to get deals done, um, so I guess my head's kind of there. I think um, hopefully next year will be an easier. You know, I I, I think um, I think you know the music stopping and valuations are becoming less volatile. This is just a qualitative kind of view rather than <laughs> like kind of you know empirically based but my my sense is that like um expectations are kind of increasingly aligning between shareholders and 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 investors and so um hopefully that means um you know opportunity to partner with some great businesses and um and grow
1: great good positive note to leave up
0: yeah awesome well um look i don't know if we're gonna catch up again um like we might it's 22nd of December we might catch up again uh before the year's out but uh if not wishing you an absolute cracking 2023 and it's been fun um you know the 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 listeners have come on the journey and reached out and and said good day I know a few folks have said my microphone sucks and that I need to (laughs) to improve the quality of it so um I'm using my my Jabra headphones um which which probably still sucks so let me know if it's an improvement or not otherwise you know I have to uh get out the big clunky thing and actually use that one which i prefer not to
1: okay sounds good thanks for coming on michelle it's been great
0: yeah it's been fun we'll chat soon man
1: sounds good see you later
0: bye